Luke chapter 1, verse 39. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered the priest Zechariah's home. And she saw Elizabeth there, her cousin, and she greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, when Elizabeth heard everything that the angel Gabriel had said to the Virgin Mary, when Elizabeth understood that the child she was carrying would be the Son of God, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Mary, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the divine child that you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should actually come to me? And as soon as the sound of her greeting reached Elizabeth's ears, the baby in her womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that what the Lord has said will be accomplished. And the baby in her womb leaped for joy. One week ago, the general theme, the light of his grace, we looked at one word and the one word was peace. Isaiah chapter 2, you remember it, do you not? The people walking in darkness, the people taking a stroll through darkness, realizing that maybe in a couple of days or a week or a month at the most, this walking in darkness will come to an end. The darkness will be behind them. They'll move on with things. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. But for the people actually dwelling in darkness, the darkness of depression or addiction or continued grief over the passing of a loved one, or the element of sin, which is the darkest thing of all, the people actually dwelling in darkness, not for a couple of weeks, but for months, if not years. The people dwelling ensconced quicksand in darkness, they have seen a light dawning upon their darkness. And the light that is dawning is not the sun doing its usual cycle. The light that is dawning upon their darkness is the same light that came forth from the mouth of God when he said at the first moment of creation, let there be lights. And there was light. In this earth which was darkness, was which was without form and void, when God said, let my light dawn upon this universe, all of a sudden the universe wasn't dark anymore, it wasn't empty anymore, it wasn't void anymore. People look at 1 Corinthians 2.10 and they say, my goodness, that's what's going to happen when we get to heaven. Now I have seen nor ear heard nor hath entered the heart of any man what God has prepared for those that love him. And we sit and say, that's what it's going to be like when we get to heaven Sorry, that's what it was like at the first moment of creation when God's light exploded and everything was created. Is that light extinguished? Did God use up all his energy at that precise moment? 
His light always remains His light. It is always the same in its power, in its love, in its wisdom. And when the Bible says those walking in darkness, they see a light coming from the distance. And for those dwelling in darkness, a lantern is being brought by someone. Who's bringing the lantern? The good shepherd is bringing the lantern. And what lantern does he bring? 7,200 promises is a lantern that he brings. If your darkness is fear, this lantern says to you 365 times, don't be afraid, get out of that darkness, I am with you. And if your darkness is grief over the passing of a loved one, 153 times the lantern comes into that darkness and says, your loved one still lives. Because I promised life after this life through his death and resurrection. And if your darkness is related to sin, addictions, or I can't believe I did that, it haunts me forever. 700 times he comes with this lantern into that darkness you've been dwelling in. And he says, your sins are forgiven. Let us multiply it. Your sins are trampled under my feet. Let us multiply it. They're thrown into the depths of the sea. Let us multiply it. They are removed as far as the east is from the west. That light that was implicit in creation is the same light he brings into my darkness and into yours. It is the same light that was spoken the first day of creation. It is the same light that we beheld when the babe of Bethlehem was born. Did not Jesus say 33 years later, I am the light of the world. Anyone who abides in me walks away from the darkness. Peace cannot grow in darkness. It is not possible. Peace cannot grow in darkness. It is not possible. Peace can only grow when the light has come. I told a story at one service last week. I don't remember which one it was. The man in the concentration camp, skin and bones, darkness, the entirety of his day, 23 and a half hours of darkness. But there was a half an hour in his life, there was no darkness. In that half hour, he would walk to the barbed wire fence, making sure no guards saw him. And as he stood at that barbed wire fence, he gazed at a cabin two or three miles away across the meadow. The ground was covered with snow and ice, but he gazed at the cabin because he knew what was going to happen in that cabin. There would come someone to the window. He could not see the person. But that person would light a candle in that cabin three miles away from the concentration camp. And this man would look forward the entirety of the day. He would look forward to that moment when he could go to the barbed wire fence and he could see the light of the candle in the distance. And he wrote after he was released from that 
Holocaust camp, he wrote, That was my peace. That was my hope. That was my joy to see that candle every single day. I knew the darkness would not win because I could see the light of that candle. Connie and I were blessed a decade ago to go to Alaska. And when we're in Alaska, pulling up to the motels and the hotels, I'm looking at the plants that are in the pots in front of the motels. And I'm sitting there saying, uh, saying, you know, what kind of steroid did they use on these plants? How can they be so huge? And then I'm looking at the plants in nature. And I'm saying, my goodness gracious, how can these plants be so huge? How can they be so fragrant? I just assumed that in Alaska, if there were any plants, they would be withered and barren like Charlie Brown's Christmas tree. I figured that's how they'd be. Because when you think of Alaska, you think of cold and barren. Why were the plants so huge? It's called the summer solstice. It is from May 17th to the end of July. And there are 70 days in which the sun shines 19 to 24 hours a day. And if the flowers are receiving that much sunlight, do you not think they would be enormous? Do you not think? If you have geraniums out on the back porch and you go bring them in for the winter, bring the geraniums on in, put them down in the basement, but heaven forbid you do not give them any light. Because come the spring, there's going to be nothing left. They have dwelt in darkness for months. But if you got that heat lamp up, they will be fine. For those dwelling in the land of darkness, summer solstice of light has come. And it is God's light brought by the Good Shepherd. The light has come. But if you're in Alaska and the six months of darkness come, where it might be light for only an hour or two, the devastation that takes place in Alaska, the suicide rates and everything else, if you dwell in darkness for that long, the soul withers and your life withers. You and I, this Christmas season, do we dwell in his light at Christmas? Do we dwell in his light at Easter? <laughs> what happens the other 364 days? The summer solstice of his light, the more of his light you have, the better is your joy and the better is your peace. My dear granddaughter, Cece, who I, I don't see those grandkids too much anymore. You know what I'm saying? 
They just, you know, they can't have sleepovers anymore. Uh, that's another story. I'm sorry. So when I actually saw Cece like a month ago, she said, Papa, look at my phone. Every single day a Bible verse pops up onto my phone. And that verse is very important to me. Oh, my goodness. If she's 10 years of old age and she wakes up to a Bible verse and she actually says that verse is very important to me, guess what light she's dwelling in? The summer solstice of God's light. When the children are in our parochial school, guess what light shines upon them every single day? Because you will not get through a day without being told by someone, a fellow student or a teacher or a principal, you will not get through a single day without being told that God's light shines upon you. And every time you open up this book, whether it's a small group or whether it's a devotion you have with people at work, at the noon hour, or someone in high school, or your fraternity or sorority, every time you open up this book, and it's not just part of your daily routine, every time you open up this book, the opportunity for the solstice of God's light to come to you is there. We had a freshman in high school. She was serving here last week in the nursery. She's also helping with Phil's friends. She's accumulating hours for her high school's community service. And I texted her mom I, the next day. I said, it was no, so nice seeing your daughter. It was nice having the opportunity to talk with her. And her mom texted me back and she said, Pastor, the spiritual transformation in her life is astonishing. She's that Ileana Christian. The spiritual explosion in her life is astonishing. God is with her every moment of every day. And what else could a parent ever wish for pertaining to their children? That God is with them every moment of every day. I pray every morning this prayer for Connie Myself, Josh, Rachel, and the grandchildren, pray it every single day. Lord, whatever harm might be coming to them this day, lift the evil from them. And if there is any goodness coming today in a circumstance or a person, may that goodness come to them and may they grow and be blessed through it. I pray it every single day. And when I pray it every single day, I believe that the solstice of God's light is upon those individuals, my wife, myself, Josh, Rachel, and the grandchildren, I literally see his light guiding, guarding, protecting, and bringing, bringing blessing to them. Isaiah forty twenty nine. I think Isaiah is talking about himself. I said it last week. Even young men, in parentheses, like me, Even young men grow tired and weary of darkness. Even young men like me stumble when the darkness comes, and we fall down and can't get up. But for those who look for God's light in the darkness, he comes. 
He lifts them up. I'll soar on wings like an eagle above the darkness. I will walk through the darkness and not grow weary. I will run through the darkness and not grow weak. Summer solstice of God's light. Now what I was supposed to preach on this week is joy. So give me a couple of minutes. Now you're really nervous. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, uh, the baby in her womb, John the Baptist, the baby leaped for joy. Oh my goodness gracious. The baby, the baby leaped for joy. Why did the baby leap for joy? Because of Psalm 1611. And that verse says, In the presence of the Lord, there is fullness of joy. That's why the baby leaped. So I remember a couple of weeks ago, I say I Google for my sermons. So I Google this. A baby in a womb at 24 weeks can hear the mother's voice outside the womb. And at 26 weeks, the baby can hear other voices besides mom's. She can hear conversations that are taking place in the room. If such be the case, and God did not need that, if such be the case, then when Mary comes and tells Elizabeth, here's what's going to happen to me, the baby John the Baptist hears in the womb Mary's voice, And in Mary's womb, the baby Jesus is already growing. And that baby leaps for joy. Because in the presence of the Lord, there is fullness of joy. And so overcome with joy is Mary when Elizabeth speaks to her that she sings a song. It's called the Magnificat. Verse 46 of chapter 1. Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he's been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. And that's all she talks about herself. Boom, we're done. End of song pertaining to herself. Listen to the rest of the song. The mighty one has done great things. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to all who believe in him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arms. He has brought down evil rulers from their thrones. He has filled the hungry with good things. He has helped his children Israel. Her song of joy is not about her pregnancy. Her song of joy is about the fact that God has touched her life. Her song of joy is about the fact that God has touched her life. Ten lepers are cleansed. One's come back. He kneeled down at Jesus' feet. He gives praise to God and he thanks Jesus. And Jesus says to him, what? Your faith has made you whole. 
The man was not coming back rejoicing primarily because the leprosy was gone. He was coming back because his life had been touched by God. And if he had sung a song like Mary sang a song, he would have talked for one minute about the fact his leprosy was gone, maybe for 30 seconds, and the rest of his song, like Mary's song, would have been praise to God that God had touched his life. In the gospel account, only one of the gospels has it. 72 disciples are sent out by Jesus, two by two. They're given the power to cast out demons and they're given the power to heal any disease, leprosy, or anything else. And when they come back a week later, two weeks later, they sit and say to Jesus, you won't believe it, Jesus. We were casting out demons. And if they gave high fives back in those days, there are a lot of them going around. You know what Jesus said to them? Find your joy. Not in the power to cast out demons. Find your joy that I have touched your life. And your name is written in heaven. Happiness, as the video said, is when something good happens. And there's no one happier than me than when something good happens in your life or my grandchildren's life or Josh, Rachel, or Connie. No one's happier than me. Happiness is circumstances that come and you find great joy in them. You know what joy is. You know the difference. Happiness is a circumstance. Joy is looking beyond the circumstance. And the only way, the Bible says, the only way we have that fullness of joy as if this babe of Bethlehem, through the working of the Holy Spirit, has found its way, not to the ear or the brain, but it's found its way to the heart. Closing word. If something really, really good happens in your life, a great grade on a very hard test, a 30 on your ACT test, finishing in the top five in the cross-country meets, that the state has at Detweiler Park. If something really, really good happens in your life, getting the lead of the play in high school, getting a scholarship in music or sports or academics, if something really, really good happens in your life, having a baby, being a grandparent, securing a loan for your first business, getting a surprise check in the mail out of the blue, getting married, reconnecting with a friend that you've lost, Getting the report from the doctor that the chemo and the radiation has worked and the cancer is gone. Do you rejoice in that event? Absolutely. Champagne is not just for New Year's Eve. Do you rejoice in the event? Absolutely. But do you do what Mary did? Do you do what the leper did? Do you do what Jesus told the 72 to do? Do you sing a song of praise? Not for your football skill or how smart you are. Do you sing a song of praise? Not to the good connections you've made. Do you sing a song of praise to God?
Because if you do, you are in the summer solstice of God's light. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And there is no more blessed place to be. Let me have a prayer with you. There your word stands, there your promises are. Do they gather dust? Do they gather dust? Do they remain in the darkness? Or might it be, as was sung in our initial hymn, might it be that when suffering comes, as was read in the epistle, might it be that when suffering comes, when darkness comes, that's when the Spirit comes And in the darkness, all of a sudden, your promises are dusted off and the Bible is open and your light comes to light in our lives. This Christmas season, Lord, seven days before Christmas Eve, may the darknesses that come and go in our life or the darknesses we must dwell in, may they be touched by the hand of God. And if the darkness remains... You'll be walking with us in that darkness. We need not fear. And if the darkness is removed, we shall be forever connected with the light that has brought such joy into our lives. Keep us close to you, Lord, in our Savior's name. Amen. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.